And so I think it's just like taking a step back and really enjoying the process, you know, enjoying the journey, like really just saying, this is what I'm here for, you know, because I'm here to tell you, like, once you cross the finish line, the finish line moves. I thought like, once you cross the finish line, like you just get to chill. Like you just get to like, you know, I don't know, drink Mai Tais and be fanned all day. But that's not what happens. Like you cross the finish line and then somehow magically another one appears and you're just like, okay, now that's the goal. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, well, I'm really excited to be here today with Sydney Eugene. So Sydney has uh, worked at Warner Brothers from the age of 16, where he became one of the youngest employees at the record label. Uh, he helped to facilitate a $52 million deal when you were like, what, 19 years old? Yes. Um, man, when I was 19 years old, I I was like sneaking out of my house. Well, no, that's not true. That was 17 years old. <laughs> At that point, we were just starting to, we were, we were living in our vans with Paradise Piers. Um, definitely not nice. facilitating $52 million deals. So Sydney has a ton of experience, uh, specifically with really navigating the record label side of the music business. And today, um, I thought it would be really helpful to talk about, you know, record deals and when and if it's a good time, what are the pros and cons of those kinds of deals and how to negotiate a great deal. And just like Tana, get your insight on right now, you know, what are some of the biggest opportunities for musicians in regards to you know, these different career paths that they could go on, whether it's independent or with the record label. So Sydney, thanks so much for taking the time to, to be here today. Yeah, well, thank you, man. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor. Like you say, I'm really uh, pleased with your platform, everything you're doing to help artists and my heart goes out to you. So I really, I really thank you for just even taking your time to have me, uh, have me on this interview. That'd be awesome. Absolutely, dude. No, I, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, I think we're all part of this, this movement that's happening right now with um, the music industry. You know, there's a lot of things and there's a lot of things around the world, not just the music industry, but things that, that are kind of broken with it and things that are just a revolution happening. And there's a lot of growth, but also a lot of disorientation when it comes to that kind of thing, because things are kind of like re regrowing and technology is crazy. So um, I always appreciate being able to have conversations with with people like you to to be able to kind of help navigate and see where are we going to take this the ship. Mm. So to start out with one question for you is just you know from the experience that you have working with you know a lot of artists and also kind of working on on different components of of the music industry, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges or mistakes or kind of the biggest hurdles that musicians are facing when they first start working with you? Uh, interesting. That's a that's a good question. I think um, kind of one thing I see across the board is a perception, and maybe even you could say a misperception mm -hmm. of how the industry really works. Uh, and uh, you know, as you alluded to, my time at Warner, like you say, for me it was eye opening. So so I actually started. Uh, so I was signed to a, a Warner sub label at the age of six. So I thought this is how it works. You know, I, my, my mom signed to EMI. She had two top five hits. We know the music side, the artist side, right? So I'm traveling, touring. I'm thinking like, this is, this is the music business. This is what it is. Like everybody's catering to me. You know, like what color M&Ms do you like? You know, that world, you know? <laughs> and so I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is what music business is all about. And then when I, you know, fast forward 10 years and I'm at Warner Brothers, my first day, I remember saying, yeah, this is different. Like, this is, this is not what the music industry that I was taught is about at all. What is all of this? Like, where, what are all these people doing here? Like, where are the artists? You know, it was all these paperwork and filing cabinets. Like, what does that have to do with music? You know, and so I think it's just the misperception of what the industry is at large, in fact, because when you realize that the music business represents a good 90 percent, you know, of, of our industry, you hear that number fluctuate from 80 uh, you know, to, to 90, but I think it's sometimes it could go up to 99. You know, I think it's sometimes it's really just all business. And then it's this gem of a song that you have or a gem of an artist that you have that you're able to just create magic with. Uh, but the infrastructure is what supports that. Right. And so, and so, yeah, I would say the number one challenge is, is that, uh, that misperception 
of what the industry is. And so they're just like, yeah, I want to, I want to be in the industry and they just don't have a clue, you know, um, something really quick to that is, so, so when I started at Warner, I started in the marketing department. Uh, it was actually two of us that made history. My best friend, he started uh, working in the administrative department. And so I thought he had the better job because he got to listen to demos. And that's all he did all day was listen to demos. So like, that's what I want to do. Uh, but my job was, I was on the marketing side. So I'm just looking at numbers, 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 you know? And so they would tell him, if you like one of those demos, you can take it home. Like if, if you like it that much, it's yours to keep. And I mean, this is the night, this is 93 golden era of music, Warner Brothers in the heart of Music City. These are like not cheap demos. This is not a Nirvana tape that, you know, they record in a bedroom or Motown in the bathroom. This is like, you know, 40, $50,000 demo budgets where there's like session musicians and the best of the best, right? And they're sending them to Warner hoping that they get that moment. And they're saying, if you like this, now, mind you, first of all, these are 16-year-old kids listening to this. So it's not like we're not in a decision-making position. We're like trying to see how many Whoppers we can eat, you know, like stuffing ourselves. Like that's our thing, you know? And so, uh, and so they say, look, if you like this, you can take it home. And that really just stood out to me because I'm a music guy. I'm thinking like, why, why would you tell us we could take it home? What are we going to do with it, you know? And then on my side, where I just sat in this little office and looked at numbers all day, it was basically like watching the stock market. They say, if you see anything that gets close to 19,000, you, you highlight it and come find us immediately. Okay, so, so instantly I'm thinking, okay, what, are, what, are, what side of this is the business, right? Uh, because these people are jumping on the private jet and coming after you, okay? Like, and, and what I found to be the case is that most of the people that had those numbers, they weren't interested in Warner Brothers. And not that they weren't interested, but it wasn't their end game, right? So their thing was, I'm going to put out my quality product the best that I can, and I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to cut my own wood, carry my own water, you know, and they're just tilling their land. And we show about the blue and say, hey, look, you're on our radar. You know, we want to you know, make you an offer you can't refuse. And I mean, like you say, certainly some of those people, that's a life-changing scenario where Warner comes to them. But for some, that wasn't the case at all. Some were just like, hey, thank you for noticing, but we're going to keep doing what we're doing over here. You know, evidently we're doing something right, right? So that was one of the staples in regards to forming my identity in regards to the music industry. Because it was like, wait a second, I'd rather have people jumping on a jet to come after me than me having a $50,000 budget to send something that, that ends up in a 16-year-old's bedroom, <laughs> you know, jamming out with his friends, you know? <laughs> Wow, man, what a what a powerful story! Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So so it sounds like, you know, in a nutshell, um, one mistake that a lot of musicians make is you know searching, searching, reaching out to a lot of you know, maybe record labels, and kind of hoping someone else is going to come save them. And counterintuitively, that's like one of the most difficult things to do because you know if you haven't started out by building something successful yourself, then it makes you a lot less attractive to record labels. When it comes to becoming more attractive to record labels, you know it's, it sounds like you know, a big part of it is the data and the numbers and just like and having proof that like you have something that's starting to to gain momentum. How would you recommend that someone who's listening to this right now, you know, there's obviously there's so many moving parts and in different ways to promote yourself. And what are some of the the things that you'd recommend right now for them to sort of become more attractive and to be able to build to build that that audience? Yeah, well, that's a great question as well. So we actually went through this uh, in 2013 when we first started kind of being proactive to go after artists. We said, okay, if an artist was quarantined, now look at the irony of this. 2013, we said if an artist was quarantined in their bedroom, what could they do to have a successful music career? Okay, so like you're stuck in your bedroom. How do you make it work? And the formula was simply one person at a time. You already have your craft. You know that part. As artists, we all get that part, right? That's, that's the part. It's, it's challenging to even take criticism from people at times, right? Because it's like, no, nah, I know how it should sound, you know? And they're like, well, okay, you know? But, but that part, you're just less likely to be pliable on. The other is the, the, the nitty gritty, like the actual people patronizing your work. How many people are going to show up to that stage at concert or virtual set that you're going to have? So that's what we really focused on. We said, okay, if you could just, if you just only had this room, how would you then go out and build a career? 
And so I think as, as, as less, uh, you know, appealing as it sounds and certainly not glamorous, uh, but it's one of those scenarios where one person at a time, because when you find that one person that genuinely resonates with your music or your music resonates with them, they're going to go tell somebody about it. Like they're going to bring, they'll bring somebody to you. It's like, man, you got to hear this song. I mean, most of the, the music, I, like I love Portishead. Like I never would have heard of Portishead if the person that introduced it to me didn't love Portishead too, right? So they bring it to me, oh, you got to hear this. And then I listen to it and I'm sold. You know, I'm just like, Portishead is amazing, right? But I never seen like a Portishead commercial. They don't really get much, you know, pl many placements or licensing opportunities. Their music is somewhat niche, you know, but how do I know about them, right? So that's one of the things. So when artists would come to us and say, I, I've exhausted my avenues and, you know, I, and we'll just say, okay, we'll watch this. We'll just go find one person in the hallway. Hey, excuse me, excuse me. Have you heard of so-and-so? And they'll say, well, I never heard of that. And you've exhausted your avenues, right? So I think it's one of those things of like not overlooking the simplicity of true fans and true followers, true listeners that really just want to hear good music. And so I think we get in our own way with setting up all these other metrics and, you know, uh, well, I only had one new follower or, you know, all these other things, but it's like, well, how many people genuinely like became yours, right? That you became in fellowship with that then they go out and they're like your little foot soldiers. They go out and they tell everybody about you. It's like, oh, you got to hear this music or this music is my best. You know, you got to check it out. I, this artist is, is one of my favorites. And so I really think that's where it starts. Something as simple as, knowing your craft well enough. And so that goes to brand identity, which is something that I'm an advocate for. You have to have the brand identity because obviously you can take it personal if you know, you're pushing heavy metal to someone who's a country you know, addict and, and they're just like not vibing with you and you're in the wrong vein. And so you take it personal, like, ah, something's wrong with my music. So you certainly have to have that brand identity. So, you know, I'm heavy metal, go to the heavy metalist, right? Uh, but, but aside from that, it's just that core action of putting it out there touching the people that it touches. So that's one of the benefits of working at all the majors, right? So, um, so being able to, to see the way a star is made. So the first star I saw at Warner Brothers that was directly a part of uh, was Faith Hill. So I got a chance to see what it looked like to make a Faith Hill, right? And so this is something that, it, you know, is a privileged point of view, but at the same time, it's really common sense. It's like, if someone came to her show she was there for them, okay? So there's a hundred people here. There's a hundred people that are gonna feel like they're intimately in connection with Faith Hill, right? Tim McGraw is the same, play, the same uh, way. Michael uh, John Montgomery, the same, well, Michael Montgomery, I'm missing his name up, but that guy was known for it. He was known for that. It was, it was a thousand people that he was gonna shake a thousand people's hands afterwards, right? So it's that type of like connection that people establish with you as their go-to artists that is far more valuable than chasing people to get them to listen to you, right? You find that one, that person listens, and they will do all the chasing for you. So it's kind of one of those plays. So I know one of the most successful artists that we took through uh, our, our program, that's what worked for her. She had a cult following of a very small demographic, but that cult following, like they did all of the hard work for us. They did all of the heavy lifting. So then when we went, we say we're gonna do a 32 state tour, they like took care of everything for us. They made sure that people were expecting us in those states. They made sure that, you know, everyone was tuned in for the stage at the virtual shows that we were doing even before it was popular. Find those people who believe in your music. And, and I guarantee you, it's a lot easier than you think, you know? It really is, you know, but it's just, it's just in this day and age, it just seems like, oh, what about the algorithms and, you know, these other things, you know? that kind of cloudy, like I say, the playing field or the vision, but it's really as simple as you like the music, here's something else. And then you kind of cater to them and build that relationship with them. You know, it's one of those things that we take for granted. If you think about it, Toyota, we never would have even had, you know, uh, uh, Toyota had it not continued to become Toyota. Like they just mastered their lane. They said, this is our lane. Think about Honda. Honda, he kept trying to sell his stuff to Toyota right? He has, he has the engine. It was a perfect engine, but he keeps trying to sell it to Toyota. And Toyota's like, we don't want this engine. Like we have our own, you know, he's like, no, you guys are doing it wrong. You're doing it. He's trying to re he's like, get them to reinvent their engine. And they're like, no, no, we're, we're doing ours right. We're Toyota. And so that forces him to then focus on being Honda. And then he masters his lane 
ends, ends up putting his motor on a motor on a, on a, a bicycle, right? So and then he goes into becoming a motorcyclist, and then we ended up having cars eventually. But all that came from him just saying, "This is my lane." He tried to pitch it, say you could say that was to a major. You know, he tried to pitch it to a major. They're like, "Ah, that's okay. We're doing our thing." But he found the people that liked it. They said, hey, what is that bike that you have with the motor on it? Can you make me one of those? And something as simple as that, it's Honda. You know, it's the number two uh, automotive company in Japan, you know? So, you know, I think it's that thing that we overlook. It's the microwave thing. Like, I, I need it right now. I, if I don't have a thousand people tomorrow, I'm a failure. You know, that type of thing. When it's like, no, if you just get a hundred people this year and those hundred people bring you one each, and then you get another hundred people off of that hundred people that'll bring you one each time, and you just incrementally are, are increasing. Your life's going to be golden, you know. But it's just turning off the distractions that tell us uh, you're not good enough, or you know, look at you compared to this artist. Uh, they're doing it big, and you call yourself an artist, you know, and you and you're going through this whole this whole identity crisis based off of these projections that are, that you know are, you're seeing. But um, but yeah, I think it's really as simple as just finding that person that likes your music enough to tell somebody about it. That's so good. Yeah, that, that really rings true to me in terms of, like, it sounds like in a nutshell, what you're saying is that uh, when you're just starting out from scratch, the way that you grow, the way that you connect with people is by starting out by connecting with people one-to-one. -one, and that's one of the best ways, just you know, going one at a time and really getting to know people and sharing your music. First, like making sure that you understand who you are and who are the people who are most likely to resonate with the song. So you're actually talking to the right people and sharing it with them. But really that you, it's, it's important not to overlook the importance of that real connection. And that certainly like rings true. I mean, with my band Paradise Fears, like the first thing that really helped us to break through was what we for what we call tour hacking now so like going out and meeting people face to face one to one literally sharing our songs and like through that process i mean i think that there is like the, like there's different stages there's different stages of your growth as a musician and like eventually you're going to reach a point where yeah you literally can't like you don't have the bandwidth to meet like every single person one to one and like your time becomes limited but like that's right. not where you start like you start from ground zero and you start by by taking that and, and literally having as many conversations one-to-one -one with as many people as you possibly can. And then you can start to get smart as it starts to work, you know, and you need mm -hmm. to start to scale and to, to leverage your time better. Then you can start worrying about the algorithm and worrying about doing live streams and scaling things. But, you know, really like starting out, having one-to-one -one conversations. I mean, same thing applied to to modern musician, you know, like when I transitioned from touring full time and I was about to be a dad and, and started this business, one of the first things I tried to do was, you know, I found a mentor um, who was teaching how to create online courses. And so I created a course and I tried like launching it and um, it was a new a new thing. I hadn't really like built up any sort of audience of, of musicians mm -hmm. and I made zero sales. And I was about to be a dad. <laughs> I was like, ah, like what am I gonna do now? Like, and the thing that that really helped start to gain traction was one to one, starting to talk to musicians on Zoom calls, starting to actually ask questions and, and build a relationship one to one. And that's the thing that really grabbed at the roots and started to gain traction. And eventually, you know, we had to start to to scale and to build teams and, and to build you know systems with advertising and and being able to leverage it. But again, it started with the one to one and just talking to people and connecting with them. And and there was something about like the process of connection that you get from, from doing that, you get this feedback, like the feedback mm -hmm. is such a huge part of it. That feedback mechanism, the best feedback that you can get in terms of your marketing, I think is like one-to-one, -one, literally talking to someone, seeing their reaction, seeing, um, and as long as it's the right, the right person. And it's like, you know, they enjoy your music, then, you know, that's super, super valuable feedback. So I, I appreciate that answer, which, you know, kind of brings things back to, to the, the roots of just starting out. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. You're so right, man. I, absolutely. I think we overlook that, right? It's just the, how do I get on, how do I book out Staples tomorrow? Like, how do I get on the main stage? How can I perform at the NFL halftime show next week? You know, like that's the, it's like, you're just there. And I think it's just because it's not glamorous. It's not glamorous to say, well, I, I had one person show up and I treated that one person like they were a million people, you know, and, and it just doesn't sound like glamorous, you know? And, and so that's the part I, I really hate it when people say, we're in the show business because it's like, man, it makes it sound fake to me. It's like, you mean we're in a business, it's fake? Like, 
you mean like the minute you know this is all over then we roll back the the curtains and you know everything is different it's like no i I don't, I don't like to see it that way. I like to say we're in the people business, you know? And it's really just a matter of, like, music is, that's people's soundtrack, right? It's like, if you produce the best soundtrack, then, of course, it's going to resonate with a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to use that soundtrack in their lives, right? So it's really more of a people business. And I think, you know, people used to always ask me at Warner Brothers, when they just always say, like, Sydney, what's good music? Because they always wanted Warner. You know, Warner at the time was number one. Uh, we were under Jim Ed, which is the, you know, arguably the, the father of the dot golden era of music. And so, uh, and so people would always say, like, what is Warner looking for? Like, what's their thing? What's, the, what's good music? They would always ask that. What's good music? And I would just always say, look, man, good music is whatever you think it is. Like, if, if you're being honest with yourself and, like, you genuinely are like, this is what I have to offer, then that's good music. You know, like, that's... That, that's good, man. It's good that you're like being you, you know, because like on the outside looking in, people think like, oh, I want to sound like this person. And so there's a, a phrase that we have that's when it's done, it's done. Right. So if that means if someone does it this way, then in our book, it's done like that. OK, so now you'll be the next them. You'll be like, you remember the way that person did it? Well, this person is kind of doing it that way. Right. And so we so we always say you want to be the reference. Right. Mm -hmm. So you want to be the reference. You want them to say, oh, this reminds me of that one guy that we saw. You know what I'm saying? You want them, you know, to look at you as that mold. Right. And so I think when you adjust it that way, it just changes the ball game. And, and obviously it, it's it's contrary probably to to popular belief. Uh, but at the same time, it's true. And it, and it works. Right. Because all the greats have done it. You know, like all the greats. And you, you just want to get past that part and just go to them being great, right? They have like, they have all these stories and you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, when's the first time you played, you know, this is like, no, dude, I never would have got to that if I didn't go through all of those stories that you don't want me to tell, <laughs> you know, like all of those hardships that I faced that made me this person that you are just idolizing now. And you don't want to go through any of your hardships because you don't think I'm going through any. But the, when I went, the ones I went through is what made me the person that you're looking up to right now, you know? And so I think it's just like taking a step back and really just uh, enjoying the process, you know, enjoying the journey, like really just saying, this is what I'm here for, you know, because I'm here to tell you, like, once you cross the finish line, the finish line moves. Cause like, I thought like, once you cross the finish line, like you just get to chill. Like you just get to like, you know, I don't know, drink my ties and be fanned all day, but that's not what happens. Like you cross the finish line and then somehow magically another one appears and you're just like, okay, now that's the goal, you know? And then you get there and it's just another one and it just keeps going and keeps going. And so I really just, I really just try to tell artists to just find the joy in the process because that's really what you have, you know? Like that's really what you have because once the process is over, you're pretty much over, <laughs> you know? So it's like, no one's checking for you anymore because it just moves so fast, right? And so then you have yeah. those, like some 16 year old kid is knocking you off the block, you know, because he's into his or she's into her process, you know. So. Uh, so, yeah, I really I really think you're, you're you're spot on with what you say, man. It's it's so beautiful to hear you say it, too, because you're a testament of the success that comes along with following that procedure and, and then like really doing it. Right. Because, I mean, I think so many people it just sounds good. It's like, yeah, I could do that. But then like actually doing it is a whole another subject, right? So I, I really, you know, I commend you for doing it because I think it's, it gives a lot of people hope, you know? Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And, and yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of stories too about people who are like way more successful than Paradise Fears or th than I am. Like, I mean, Taylor Swift, I, I, I remember Rick Barker saying that that was how she started out too, is just like meeting people one-to-one. -one. <laughs> and she it, it just seemed like that's just a, a pattern that, that comes up over and over again. And I think it's really interesting too, uh, and really important, like the point that you brought up, which a lot of a lot of us struggle with. You know, is kind of balance, like the balancing act of being authentic and being true to ourselves, and also this like tendency to want to kind of chase what is popular, what's successful. And I think there's you know, different ways to look at it because, you know, in a lot of ways, what's current or what's popular is you know, sort of indicates a need or like it indicates sort of like this movement and you know maybe by kind of tapping into that that wave you can catch the wave and in in a lot of ways if your goal is commercial success then a lot of times there are certain you know there's certain production styles and there's different elements you can take into into play and you can reference other people but it sounds mm -hmm. like what what you're pointing to as well is that you don't 
ultimately achieve that success by just chasing other people and, and only chasing and never like kind of reflecting and looking inwards and being true to yourself that like it's really important to to bring authenticity and bring who you are into into um, not necessarily just like be chasing a goal or chasing something else, but learning to enjoy the process because ultimately that's the thing that is always here and doesn't go away when you reach it. And goals are the things that, you know, there's the hamster, like it, it never, it never ends. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, right. Absolutely. So in regards to, to that, that kind that balancing act, right? Like the balancing act of both being, um, being authentic and, and and also I think that there there can be like a a danger to to leaning too far in extreme and just being like well you know just like like I think sometimes people feel confused or they don't know how to practically navigate advice like you know be yourself yeah which is so mm. funny when you think about it it's mm. like it's like how can you not you don't have to try to be yourself like you are yourself you know how how crazy is it like someone gives you like be yourself okay have you ever not been yourself <laughs> try not to be yourself like you, you know so so it is kind of interesting cuz you know and this is something we could go down like a a real rabbit hole here but um i think self like what is what is the self you know like there's there's right. like a, yeah. there's a lot of interesting stuff to dive into there but what are your thoughts in terms of navigating that like that self expression being being authentic and being congruent but um also wanting to be commercially viable and wanting to like explore what's trending right now like how, how would you recommend artists think about that yeah, you know, it's interesting. So that takes me to magnetism. I'm all about this, right? So I just firmly have this, this concept that, uh, that the more magnetism or magnetized you are, the more you have the ability to like bend reality. And it happens. Like we've seen it so many times, like where someone just stays in their lane, masters their lane so much to the next thing you know, it's like a marketing fad after that, right? So something as simple as like Jared with the whole subway thing is like, this is just genuinely his thing, right? But then it becomes like huge, you know, and then he goes and does like all these other things, these other avenues, because you didn't have what's called the halo effect where, you know, you've done one thing really well and they say, well, he's probably good at everything, right? And so then he goes on and he's like with Sprint and all these other places, you know, he's doing all these other things. But, uh, but, but that I think is the key, right? Because if you look at Jimi Hendrix, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, like these people who just said, I just, I am me, right? I'm just this guy that I have. And then, and then they're them so much that they like embody it and it just becomes this like radiating force, you know? And the next thing you know, it's like you come in the room and they're in it and you feel their presence and they haven't even said anything. You're just like walking around like, whoa, somebody's in here, you know? And you can feel it, you know, because of the magnetism with everybody. I mean, just think of any time you've met a celebrity, there's that magnetism. You can't even describe it. Like, I mean, I see celebrities all the time and it's like, even I, I'm still get like, whoa, like, oh, it's, the, you know, what are you doing? You know, and you, and you just, you can't help but be overtaken by it because it's like, they're them so much. Like they've just become themselves so much. There's like anything they do is just, is brilliant. You're just like, this is, this is awesome. I don't, whatever you're doing is brilliant, right? And so then we have it to where commercialism is basically just the capitalization of that, right? Capitalizing on people that are doing enough of it that we can monetize. So then you have like, it, it could be fashion, it could be anything. I mean, look at the monetary aspects that came along with Ka Kaepernick. This guy's like, it's a, it's a, it's an ad. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how do we commercialize this? You let's do our thing, you know, right? It's, it's like, I don't think that was his intention, but it just goes to show that, yeah, when you own that lane, anything can become commercial because now it's just how do we, how do we capitalize on this monetarily? that's certainly taken, taken off. I mean, like people used to laugh at bell bottoms. People laughed at Ralph Lauren. They thought this guy's crazy. Like, you know, uh, one of my mentors, uh, a guy by the name of Jules, he is the reason we have uh, Fruit of the Loom making um, panties, okay? So Fruit of the Loom, they, they didn't make panties at first, okay? So he says, no, we should, we should make panties. And, and, and obviously he's largely successful uh, because of it, because it went over really well, right? But they say, well, well if we, we don't, uh, if the pennies don't do well, then what will we do? And he said, oh, we'll just cut a slit in them, sell them as briefs, okay? So it's like, it's one of those things where you have that precursor or the, the outlier that becomes the mainstay. It's like that one person just does something so weird that like, okay, Andre 3000, you think of Andre, you don't know if he's going to wear what, 
a football uniform, a hockey uniform, or is he going to be come out in soccer? Unit? Is he going to have on fur or what he's going to, you get what I'm saying? And it just became his thing so that now when you say Andre, he can come in literally wearing a bathing suit and you'll just be like, oh yeah, that's Andre. That's Andre 3000, right? And they will market it and it will be very commercialized because this is what his lane has become, right? So I think it's one of those things where one, you want to find that joy, okay? So, so that's the only reason I've been in this business like my entire life. That's the only reason. I, I, if it wasn't a joy, I would have left a long time ago, right? But you find that joy. Like, are you more happy, you know, writing music or making food? If you're more happy making food, but you also are good at making music, you might be in the culinary field, right? And then you figure out, how can I put these two worlds together? Maybe you're making soundtracks for radios, I mean, for restaurants or for chefs, you know? They, they need music, right? And so there's, there's ways you can find like this, how your talents can coexist, uh, but you have to start with one. So and, and for us with the music dialogue, if you're making music and you don't feel joy, you're probably doing something wrong. Like, you know, you probably should just like find the joy, right? And I hear people say that, I'm like, I'm really trying to find my joy. And it's like, okay, well, when you find your joy, you'll know, it's not, it's not really hard. You know, it's like something you can do. You're not thinking about eating. You're just really lost in the moment of it. It's like you're in flow. You just really enjoy this. And it's something that you would do for free. Like I used to think that was the most cliche thing to hear somebody say. It was like, well, whatever you like would do for free. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to do anything for free. Like what I want to like, what do you mean? I'll do it for free. But then it rings so true when you're act actively in it because you're like, you know what? I actually like doing this so much that I would do this for free. And then you do it so much and you perfect it so well that you end up getting offered millions of dollars to do the same thing you would have done for free, right? But it's, it's that joy that resonates with people because they can tell, people can tell because it's all energy. Like when we go to that, you know, how you're saying, what is self? It's like, to me, I think self is just energy. I think we're all just balls of energy. And so that energy is what translates. And that's what allows us to be like transparent. You know, it's like, you can, you can literally like, you could say one thing, but your energy says something else and everyone knows the truth. You know, like your energy is what's speaking. They're like, well, I hear you saying you're having a great day, but your energy is like off today. So whatever it is we need to correct, let's correct it, you know? And so I, I think that is it is like whatever energizes you, because uh, some people may not even know what joy is. It's like, what is joy? I don't know. I've never heard that word. So, so whatever energizes you, like whatever, whatever brings you to the surface, like makes you show up to the occasion, like that is what you hone in on and you do. And I guarantee you'll do it better than anybody else can do it because it's yours. You know, it's like, it's yours. And, and I have this, this saying, it's that the voice of love or your voice of love will not be heard if you don't speak, right? So it's like, no one's gonna take your space with that. It's yours. When you speak, it'll come out and people will hear it and say, man, if you hadn't said that, the conversation would have been empty. And so I think it's just doing that well enough for an extended period of time that it's validated. So that becomes the balancing act because it's how long can you sustain this without the validation? So then it's like, you then have to have your own self-motivating and that's the, I will do it for free part of it because it's like, no, I'm validated by doing this because it's what I'm here to do. Like, I know this is what I'm here to do. And so in doing it, I'm validated. And then you just do it so well that you become magnetic. And like, before you know it, you have people emulating what you're doing, you know? And they're just like, ah, I want to do it that way. You know, there's, there was, you know, there was one kid that was like, yeah, I'm going to wear my baseball cap to the back. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was just one kid, you know? And it's just like, what? I've never seen that before. And then now you have like so many people who put the cap to the back, right? But there had to be that one person that did it first. That was, I mean, he could have been a rebel, like you say, an outlier. But now it's a mainstay. It's like, so it's like, cool. It's like, hey, I put my hand onto the back, you know? But who was the first person to do that, you know? And so that's why I feel like the job of a marketer is to find out what's resonating with the people and then just maximize it to the, to the potential of monetization, right? Because if it's not that, then you're like, you're going to lose your job. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, well, you keep coming up with these duds. You keep trying stuff that no one's going for. But if you just follow the trend, like follow where the people are, you know, it's like following the smokestacks. It's like, yeah, you're going to find the fire because this is what people are resonating with. Like, this is why it's cool, right? I mean, hippies made hippie lifestyle cool, right? It was like, at first they smell, it's like, what is all this peace and all of this? You guys are all, you know, 
high and stuff. Like, what is this, right? But then they just like, wait, there's more of you. There's more of you. There's more of you that think this way. And then, and the next thing you know, he's like, this is a whole culture of people. And then they have like their movement, and they have like the hippie movement, and it like transcends the the culture of the of the United States or uh, societies as a whole. You know, because it's like this influx of people who believe so much in their way that you're magnetized to it now because you have to be or you're going to be the outlier, right? It's like, because everyone now is into this pulse. And so I, I think like, that's the thing, which obviously there's this duration, uh, which I think that is the part you address. Like, how do you make it, you know, through this duration, you know, and, and, and how long could it be? You know, you, you hear people like Steve Harvey and all these people that say like, it was years, you know, Lady Gaga and her story, like they went forever, you know, uh, before they got to the point where it, it, it resonated enough with other people that they really were being true to themselves, right? But, but that, I mean, only time can tell, you know? And so that I think a degree of luck maybe plays in there, but you're certainly not gonna win if you're on like, oh, well, what are they doing? You know, like, I wanna do what they're doing. And then, so there's a strategy, most people may not know of it, but it's where we have a success in the industry and then we look for everybody that's doing that, okay? And then what we're doing with the people that are doing that is we're signing them to shelf them. So we're not signing them because they're doing that that is so successful. We're signing them to get them off the playing field because they're competing with what we're doing that's so successful, right? So you, you could possibly be our competitor or you could possibly be the person to knock us off. So we're gonna sign you because you're doing what is popular, but it's not to sign you to make you the next name. It's to sign you so that you are no name. So that no, so people say, what happened to that one guy? He's like, oh, he was competing with our main guy. And so we just signed him so we could get him off the playing field, right? So there's certainly a, a caution to be put out there for people who are copying uh, other people. And it's like, look, dude, you're, you're good the way you are. Like, be you. And, and then like, and you can always tell it. Like, you can always, you can see someone and say, oh yeah, they, you know, they look, they look a lot of, a lot like this artist, or I can tell their influences, like, you you I can tell you're influenced by, and there's nothing wrong with that, because I think in order to be a, a good musician, you have to first start out as a fan, right? You have to have it in you as a fan. You have to, like, root for somebody else to win, like, that, to me, I just think it's a prerequisite. I think if, if you're doing music and you were never a fan of music, I don't get you, like, I don't, I can't even comprehend that world, right? You're like, what are you, a, sciences are you like studying this thing like no like we're living it you get what i'm saying and so i think you do have to be a fan uh but at the same time that is to to just encourage you more so than to shape you i think like the shaping happens through your own evolution through like you going straight and and running into a few bumps and bruises and learning oh okay that didn't work you know let's go this way and then you're perfecting that craft along the way that inevitably leads you to where you say you become uh, commercially viable because now you're the you're the mainstay. Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel it's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Super interesting, super interesting stuff. And yeah, we're, we're certainly getting like a little more like metaphysical here. And we're talking about like mm -hmm. magnetism and energy <laughs> and whatnot. But, but I think that there is like, there, it's a, a good, good word to use is being magnetic and the, and like mm. in the way that communities are built and the way that celebrities are built, there really is like an orbit. There's like a magnetism around it. 
so it sounds like what you're saying is that really in order to build an audience, it's really about building this magnetism. And in order to build the magnetism, one of the best ways you can do it is by really by car- carving, uh, honing in on who you are. So this is what um, that reminded me of was Joseph Campbell. You know, he talks about like following, mm-hmm. following your bliss, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like one of the ways that you recommend people to to really become more magnetic is by authentically figuring out what is it that brings you the most joy. You know, like the you know, people who are very, very joyful, like you can't, like there, there's a, a lot of magnetism in that. You know, it is kind of interesting too, though. Like it does seem like there's different sort of frequencies or emotions or there's different types of magnetism, right? And it's not always mm-hmm. like, you know, joyful, like, you know, mm-hmm. peace, mm-hmm. peace and love. Like there's like, mm-hmm. there's some like strong magnetic mm-hmm. poles also to like some like darker, like oh, trauma, yes. like pain. And, and so it's, it does seem like, you know, that's also yes. something that, comes into play necessarily so it is kind mm-hmm. of interesting that that's not necessarily like like oh like joyful i think there is like joy is like a very high frequency like uh, emitting mm-hmm. radiance like it's like a light it's it's feels good you know and there is something very like pulls you pulls you in about it but also interesting that sometimes the more like the the pain and like there's mm-hmm. like a frequency a frequency of that that kind of is also magnetic and yeah just like the idea of of really digging inward and reflecting and and expressing that and that sort of being the thing that um, creates that magnetism is really interesting and maybe not necessarily trying to chase that somewhere else you know so, so always looking somewhere else for that mm-hmm, but rather kind of mm-hmm, turning turning mm-hmm. inward turning inward and figuring out like what is who are you <laughs> like what is it what, and and how, how can you how can you express that yeah Kurt Cobain you make me think about Kurt Cobain when you when you say that, it's like, yeah, Nirvana, man. Like, oh my gosh, this is the music is amazing, right? I mean, and it's like, yeah, clearly there's magnetism there. Is he singing about roses and like, you know, sunny days? It's like, absolutely not. But the mm-hmm. way he's expressing it, you cannot deny it. Like, it is yeah. his personal truth. Like, he he yeah. lived it, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're you're so right when you say that. I mean, it's it's you're absolutely right. You're spot on. It doesn't have to be. Christmas songs, you know, but it's like whatever yours is, you know, like, yeah, if it's if it's dark, where would the world be if we didn't have dark music? And like we had to have dark music, right? And it's like that's kind of what gets us through those dark times is to know like we have a soundtrack. Like we said, we have that soundtrack for it, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I second that. I'm I'm right there with you. It's awesome, Michael. Mm-hmm. That's that's powerful. And and also just like like you said, like the dark the dark songs like the i I think a lot of times those are some of the most powerful songs because they really shine a light on this this pain or this this thing that's like not fully processed or not fully faced Mm -hmm. and so it's like those are the things that by expressing it by creating the music around those things and a lot of people tend to like those are the things where like oh that gets that gets a lot of day like i don't want people to see that about me like no like you know like avoid like, avoid looking at it right, um, right. The, the scary things but but ultimately a lot of times that is where like the most power the the juice or the compassion and and the love like come from is from the is from expressing that and yes. and letting it go this is good. We, we've gotten like, we, we've got, we've definitely gone metaphysical here, but this is like, I totally geek out on conversations <laughs> like this. Um, nice, it's, nice. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's really important to kind of, to, to get the mindset, get the mindset right. And then I also think it's, it's really important to kind of balance, yeah, balance, like, you know, kind of getting the mindset, kind of like zooming out, but then kind of like coming, it's like seeing the forest, you know, zooming out, mm-hmm, seeing the whole mm-hmm, forest, and then kind mm-hmm. of coming back into the forest. And mm-hmm, so I think that mm-hmm. what we talked about with like the the one-to-one, like just connecting with people mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. one at a time when you're starting out and starting to like kind of scale that um, is a really good tangible way to kind of apply what we're talking about and to communicate and learn and to, to figure out how to relate with fans and be able to share your music in an effective way. So let's say that someone's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, awesome. Like I'm on board with this. Like, I know it's going to be hard. I'm just starting my audience, but like, I want to do this right. And I want to start building an audience from scratch. How do you recommend finding, finding those people to start having those conversations with and what medium, like what, you know, what platform do they use to start having these, these direct conversations? That's a great question. Uh, so obviously now social media, that's your go-to, right? Everybody's social media. Uh, so I think there's something there to that. Uh, at the same time, I really like the the touch points. You know, I, I still think touch points are important. Uh, I think they're even more important now because there's there's so few and far between. 
So it's like, now it's like, you almost just see like the world in black and white. And then like you, you touch somebody and like it resonates with them and like they turn into color and you're like full color and you two are like full color now in this black and white world. And, and I think like that's, that's magical right now, right? Because it's just so, uh, it's so off. It was like, uh, I don't want to be touched, you know, don't talk to me right now, you know. You know, it's a whole bunch of other uh, contributing factors that, that have made the world so disconnected. So I think that when we do connect, it's even more cherished because it's like, wow, you actually care about me? Like, I mean, there's so many people that just in random Facebook groups that I've just reached out to say, hey, man, what are you working on? You know, like, let me, what's your music sound like? Let me check it out. You're like, what do you have? And that turned into this amazing relationship of just like sharing you know, just one-on-one here, you know, check out what I'm working on now. What do you think? I'm like, oh man, I, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I, I'm hearing it before it goes live, you know? And it's like, why is that? Well, it's just because there was this genuine care. It was just like, hey man, what are you working on? You know, and, and I just did this as an experiment. I just said, you know, every day, I'm just going to pick some random person and just be like, hey, what's up? You know, what do you got going on? You know, and, and just see the response. And I'm just here to tell you that uh, we're, you know, towards the end of February of this year, 2021, and literally people are just really taken on to this. Like, it's it's just crazy how much people want people to care about what they're doing, you know? And so it's just like being genuine and showing that. And I think, I think for me, it's different because I'm not trying to sell anything and I'm not really, I don't have some music I want you to stream or any of those things. So maybe it's like a lot easier just saying genuinely, I'm interested in what you're working on, you know? Uh, but But obviously if your goal is, to, to convert this person to a listener, uh, you maybe, you know, you can't come just out like that. But, but I think that there's something to it in regards to human relations, just like, Hey, I'm talking to you. And, and, and I think like in different societies are different, you know, obviously in New York, they're like, Hey, why are you talking to me? What's your problem? Like, what do you want? You know, what is this whole thing about? Right. You know, like that time it is, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so I think like it's different, obviously in different places, uh, but even my New York companions, I've noticed them to be more open to relationships now because of what they've just went through, you know, being locked down and not being able to go outside. And there's so much outdoor people, you know, and so it's like, oh, I can't go outside. And now I'm just confined to this device uh, and, and to my quarters. And so I think there's there's something uh, there when they get that chance to communicate or to meet somebody or to talk to somebody, even someone that says standoffish as a New Yorker, still still saying like, oh, this is awesome. I, you know, I got a chance to talk to somebody or I met someone or they shared something with me. So yeah, I think that whatever platform is the most genuine to you, you know, if it's Facebook, if it's Instagram, you know, uh, I think TikTok and those platforms, you know, they don't really give you as much access to really dial in like that. It's more of a show type of scenario, like a YouTube thing, like uh, in, in um, smaller segments, but it's not really that engagement so much as people are just watching you. And then, yeah, obviously there's some commentary, uh, but as far as like building a base and saying like, hey, here I am, come check me out. Uh, whatever social media platform resonates the most with you. I, I, I do probably favor Instagram. And that's just because uh, it's the one that I can go on and and like kind of speak without speaking. Cause you know, on Instagram, you can post a meme and it says everything for you, right? And then like, there's the dialogue that happens after that. Cause you're like, hey, this is right on. Or like, what do you say, you know? And so I think there's something to that. But my whole thing is controlling the gateway, right? So I think no matter where you are online, you have to get people to your door. So you have to have your own gateway. You have to have your own point of contact where people are coming to you as the resource. Uh, because largely, um, you know, one of the things we found in doing that experiment, we had the, the artists, how are they going to live off of, you know, not being able to touch people or go out in 2013. And one of the things we found that was most important was that they had their own gate, you know, that they controlled their own gate. And so, yes, the minute, you know, they say, hey, we're closing down venues. Uh, you guys can't perform here anymore. If you don't have access to those people, all your people just left right? They're all gone. It's like, oh, well, how do I talk to the people that were coming to see me? It's like, well, those, those are our people. Like, we talk to them. They bought tickets from us, not from you, right? And so I think um, no matter what, you have to, like, get people to your world because your world is, is king for them. Like, that's where you can be yourself and, you know, and always just pull, you know, as many people as you can over because there's all these sensors as well. Like, if you're putting content on Facebook that doesn't really agree with their platform they're just going to censor your content so then what do you do what if all your true people are there 
right? So then now you have to somehow find a way to be true to get these people from Facebook over to your gate, you know, over to your world so that they can then see you unrestricted or uh, uncensored, you know? So it's a very um, strategic process, but I certainly, I, th I certainly think by just having those conversations with wherever your people are, uh, then, then you can get them over to your platform. I'm a firm believer in owning your own platform. Like you have to have your platform. Like even if you play fair, because I, I certainly also believe in omnipresence, where if I go look for your music on Deezer and you're not there, what if all I know is Deezer? You get what I'm saying? And, and it, what if your music really is my soundtrack and I'm just not going to get it because you're not on Deezer? So I certainly believe there's something to omnipresence. Be on Quote Buzz. There's people that listen to Quote Buzz that don't never listen to, uh, you know, uh, YouTube music or whatever. You know, so you got to be on Quote Buzz because how are you going to get those people or or Deezer or like you say these other platforms? So so I, I certainly believe in omnipresence, but I also believe in preference. Like I believe there should be some type of preferential treatment that's given to the people that are on your platform. Like so so it's like yeah, my whole album is on Deezer but my B-sides are only on my website, you know? So it's like, yeah, if you want these B-sides, I got to get you from Deezer over here. Now, obviously it's a lot harder to do with DSPs like Deezer or Spotify or Quobuzz even for that matter, uh, but you have to find that entry point, right? You have to find, okay, how do I get them? Because what, what happens the most time for me, new music discovery, I hear the music and I go look the person up, right? Cause I mean, this music resonates with me. Like, who is this? And I, and I go look them up. And then I see all the avenues where they are. And, and if those avenues, if, those, if I'm in those same avenues, I'm going straight there. If I'm on Instagram, they're on Instagram, I'm going straight to Instagram and I'm following them, right? And then it gets to, like you said, having that uh, buffer where it's like, okay, how many real messages, DMs can you really respond to, right? And how many people genuinely mean well in those DMs? I mean, I, like, you know, some females, they like, their DMs are crazy. They're just like, mm. do you see the abuse that I'm taking through this DM? You know, and yeah. so it's like, yeah, so you, you have to have that filter where it's just like, okay, these are just trolls. They don't mean you well. But if you weed through, there's that one that like you are their lighthouse, like, to get a message from you in their D, oh, they, they won't even, they'll like share that with the world. And that's the most important thing for you because now they're gonna bring you all these other people that really feel the same way about you just because of the, 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 the way they received you, right? So they got it from this other person. Oh, they reached out to me. I don't know if you're familiar with Ikea, but that was Ikea's story. Like we wouldn't even have Ikea if they didn't do that. So Ikea's philosophy was the first two years Anytime anybody returns anything, we don't ask any questions. We just accept it and send them a new one, okay? Even if they don't return it, if they reach out to us and say, hey, I bought this Ikea bed. One of the legs is a little wobbly. You know, I don't know how I feel about it. They just send you a brand new bed. So now you, you have the wobbly bed and then you have a brand new bed. You know what I'm saying? And so now, what did that do for their PR? It was amazing because they had so many people that was just like, I, I, I complained to Ikea and then they took care of it like that for me. They, you know, I, I took this and then you have so many loyal customers that, that are just, I will never buy anything but Ikea because of that customer service relationship that they went through, right? So it's that delicate scenario where you, you certainly don't want to answer all the DMs. They're not all there for your benefit, but there's that one and there's maybe even more than that, that if you answer that, it's, it could bring you a hundred new people instantly. And, and, and they're all going to come right to your platform because you're saying on your Instagram, if you like this content, there's way more of it on my platform, right? I, I just let loose on my platform because I'm uncensored. I can do whatever I want to do. I can live stream. I can say whatever I want to say. It's my platform, right? And so I, I think by, by making yourself uh, so important to the listeners that they will go wherever you are to get what you have, you know, that's when it's just, it's next level, right? But you also got to go like within your flow. So if it's like a new platforms, so I don't know if you're familiar with Loom, um, but it's a new platform that so many people are using. Loom is great for, especially working international like we do. Uh, most of our artists are international, uh, but Loom is an amazing platform. So, uh, so there's so many people that are connecting on Loom and building these relationships. And it's because they have the, the touch points. You're like, you can talk directly to the person that you want to deal with. And like, you can engineer the deal. It's like, hey, I'm a producer in London, but you, I want to produce this beat for you. And they send it over and the artist has it. Now you just collabed, uh, you know, from, from miles and miles away. So I think there's something to platforms like that where 
you can actually engage the person, you can talk to the person, and then they can bring you on over to their to their platform, which is hopefully their their website or wherever they're doing most of their uncensored work. Uh, but but yeah, as long as it's in your flow, as long as it's something that you're doing regularly, uh, you, you, you'll be good. You know, if it's like you've mastered Facebook, who cares that TikTok is doing what it's doing? Work your lane in Facebook. You know, that's where your people are, you know, but I'm but I'm also telling you, you got to get your people off of Facebook and not necessarily off of Facebook, but you also got to have them present on Facebook and present in your world. Like they have to know that you have your own world because the minute Facebook says, Hey, we're going to my, MySpace, you guys. We're out. They throw the deuces and we're done. We're closing up our doors. What do you do? Like, what do you do if all of your people were there? And, and now you're just scrambling, trying to figure out how do I hold on to my Facebook people when it's like, no, that has to be the first thought. You know, I know you see me on Facebook, but guess what? You see a lot more of me over here, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's so important. Um, and something that I, th- I think you're right that is overlooked sometimes is the importance of like having your own contact list, your own email list, your own text message list, and just and just I like the way you put it. It's like your own platform, your own gateway, where you can connect more deeply with people. And to, you know, a core part of every musician's strategy and every online business strategy should be getting people to their platform and getting mm-hmm. email subscribers and being able to connect with them directly. And uh, one thing uh, earlier when when you were talking about starting out by, you know, the one on like talking to people and kind of getting them to, to your platform and how people really just value being heard and appreciated when you reach out and, and it's not about me, 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 but it's really just like a genuine connection that you want to, yeah, you want to build. Um, that's, that's really valuable to people to be seen and be heard like that. And they remind me of a Zig Ziglar quote, mm. that was like, if you want anything, then you know, give it to other people. Like if if you want something, then yeah, you know, if you give that to other people, then like you'll have more than you ever need. So, something on those lines. I'm yes, butchering yes. the quote. But I, I think I think that's a really important point that that you brought up is is that if you want people to care about you, then start like caring about about them and start start giving that out. And um, and I think that that's you know really a really important step at the very beginning when you're having these, these conversations that mm-hmm. it really is about building a relationship and getting to know them, connecting with them, caring about them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily like having an agenda in mind, like the agenda, when you have those conversations should absolutely be to build a relationship and to get them onto your platform and to get them to <laughs> yes. listen to the music, you know, like yes. it's good to like, to have those targets and those goals that like, that are going to benefit you and benefit your, your music career. As long as the goals that you have are also benefiting them, then it's a right. win-win, you know. Right. And so, and so, yeah, I think that that's a really uh, valuable thing to for anyone who's listening to us right now is sort of to just start, just start reaching out. Maybe follow ten other artists that you're a big fan of on Instagram. Start seeing who's mm-hmm. who's replying, who's commenting, who's engaged with the post, mm-hmm. and start mm-hmm. following them. And mm-hmm. maybe reach out to them in their DMs if they follow mm-hmm. you back and say, "Hey, just wanted to reach out and get in touch. I saw you were you're a fan of this band. I'm a huge fan of them too. What's your favorite mm-hmm. song?" Mm-hmm, you know, and then mm-hmm. it's like yes. boom. Like now you, you start you start having this conversation and, and you can build a relationship and then naturally that, that can lead to them listening to your song. Yeah, awesome stuff. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, this has been, it's been a really fun conversation. I feel like we've <laughs> we've gone into orbit. We've kind of like, we've talked to you. We've gone kind of like magnetism and, and energy yes. and it's talking about a lot of the mindset and also gotten really granular about like some of the tactical the rootedness of both like finding the thing that brings you like the most or following your bliss is a big part of it and the magnetism and then also just like the the practical how do you build a fan base from scratch well one at a time you reach out to them one at a time you build a relationship with them and then you can start to scale that so um i super appreciate you taking the time to to share your experience and, and your wisdom from uh nav- navigating a 52 million dollar deal when you're 19 years old joining warner bros you're 16 years old when i was um living in my van sleeping in walmart parking lots um <laughs> So, uh, so Sydney, if anyone's listening to this right now and they, they're interested in learning more from you or connecting, where would be the best place for them to go? So, so awesome. If you would uh, like to join our email list, I'm tinyurl.com slash learnmbe. So that's L-E-A-R-N-M-B-E. So learnmbe, and it stands for Learn Music Business Essentials. Uh, you can easily go to learnmbe.com as well. So it's learnmbe.com, and uh, we have a lot of information there. 
uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to be more active on social media. So uh, our Instagram and, and our Facebook, you know, I try my best to chime in regularly so that I can like pour a little bit of wisdom there. Uh, but certainly if you want to join our mailing list, we have a lot of free stuff that we give out. It's really cool. Just these uh, resources that are just really, really cool. Next level type stuff that you kind of take for granted, like uh, multiple streams of income and, you know, tax deductions, so those types of things. So many people are like putting money into music and they don't know, like these are write-offs, you know? And so like, we really highlight those things because kind of what we were charged with was if an artist wants the Taylor Swift type of lifestyle or type of you know, in the means of like being in music like that, how could they do it if they didn't have Taylor Swift's bank account, right? Because obviously she has a significant amount of resources to come in. And so we're always looking at how to tilt the machine. Like how can we, how can we get you to that point in a different way, right? And so I think the philosophy of that permeates in regards to our social presence, social media presence. And so, yeah, I absolutely check out any of those Learning Be East uh, platforms or, uh, or social media accounts. But the tinyurl.com slash learningbe is where you can sign up for our email list and we'll send you all that we can. All right, fantastic. And, and one thing I'll do for everyone that's listening to is just in the show notes, we'll put the links um, so you have easy easy access nice. to get to, to all the goods. Cool. Nice. All right, Sydney, I really appreciate well, you, been, Michael. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you. It's been, been a lot of fun talking and um, thanks again. Yeah, awesome, man. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.